Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, I'm going to be covering a topic request from one of our listeners, which is what happened when I landed in this country at 18 and how did I get to where I am today, 21 years later. Let me make the math easy for you. I am 39 years old today. (laughs) And I figured that if he had this question, a few other people may have this question as well. So here we go. As you may know, I am originally from Brazil and was very blessed to come here at 18 because my mom met my stepfather back in the online chat rooms, AOL (laughs) chat rooms back in the day. He was the man she was waiting for her entire life. Thankfully, they're still happily married today. And it was just a blessing that he brought all of us here. So landed in Silicon Valley in San Jose. And I still remember the first outing with my mom. She was going to pick up some pictures. Yes, that's how long ago it was. (laughs) And I remember her explaining to me what the sign now hiring meant in Portuguese. And I remember being so excited because I saw now hiring everywhere that I went. And in Brazil, we don't get these many opportunities. And so I was just super excited about that. Got my first job at Mervyn's. Also worked at Blockbuster and Wells Fargo while going to college. Uh, As we can see (laughs) by this trend, just the financial institutions survive over centuries. Uh, In this case, Wells Fargo, everything else has been bankrupt. So I just started saving up my money. I remember my very first paycheck, $146. I was also super, super excited to get that and decided to splurge a little bit by buying some sound system to play some CDs. But then after that, I was pretty frugal and decided to start saving up. At Blockbuster, they absolutely loved me there. And I got promoted within one month of being there, you know, going from $7.25 an hour to I think $7.50 an hour. So huge promotion there. I got promoted to assistant store manager. And the reason that they loved me was that I was just working. <laughs> I remember a couple of my coworkers, they would sometimes just sit on the sidelines and not actually work. But in my mind, I was getting paid to work. So I was there to work. (laughs) And it was just really interesting to observe that in my mind, I am there to work while these other people were just sitting around and not doing their best. So I think it's really important to take any and every job very seriously because that's going to build your character and who you are. And not only that, it's a small world. I don't care if you work at a tire shop, if you are a great employee, word will get out. You're going to get recruited by others and you're going to have the ability to eventually open your own tire or whatever. Uh, business in this country, anyone can do, be, and have anything that they want. 
I really believe that. And by then, I learned that people could make good money by doing loans. I got my real estate license, joined a mortgage company. Yes, and I was part of the cause of the entire debacle in 2008 because I was selling those reverse mortgages. And I remember being in complete shock that they were doing stated incomes, stated asset loans, and no income, no asset loans back in the day, meaning people did not have to provide any proof that they had any income or assets in any way, shape, or form. And they were giving these loans also to people with pretty low credit score. And I just remember, wow, this is insane. And these loans were also reverse mortgage loans, meaning the borrowers were paying less than the interest. So their balances were actually growing instead of decreasing over time. And then after five years, you would get a mortgage payment going from, let's say, $1,000 to $4,000. I just could not believe how that was happening. And the owner of the company at the time, I remember him saying, oh, don't worry, you know, when these loans are due, China will start buying real estate here. And so the values of the properties will still be up. So these people will be able to refinance at that time. Not a great thing to be doing. I still regret selling these loans. It was a good lesson because I would never ever do anything like that again in my life. Even though you may make good money doing something that in the end is really not the right thing for that person, that will haunt you forever. (laughs) I have worked on that, but it still crosses my mind that these people may have lost their homes because of the loans that I was selling. So all of that was while I was going to college. I was a B-something student, no excuses there, but I was also working pretty much full-time, sometimes two jobs while going to college. Went to San Jose State University, which is a an okay university here, and got a business management degree just because I did not know what I wanted to do. And then the mortgage industry started to collapse. And so I remember chatting with a friend of mine. I told him that I was looking for a job. And he said, oh, why don't you come work for the company that I'm working at, which was a voiceover IP company. So that means a phone over the internet, just like Skype or Grasshopper or Dialpad today, but for enterprises. So I said, sure, why not? And that was my entry into sales. As people typically say, nobody is born wanting to be a salesperson (laughs) and you just land in a sales career by chance. So I literally landed in the sales world by chance, just by chatting with that friend. By that time, I was in Silicon Valley for a decade. Just by a matter of being here, you do get the startup bug. And so I really wanted to do my own startup. And that was the most humbling experience of my life (laughs) because you literally work 24-7 with no pay and a million other things happening. So by this time, I had saved up just over 100K and I had finally moved out of my parents' house at 27 years of age. Yes, it's very late for US standards, but not for Brazilian standards. We end up 
in uh, our parents' house until we were married. So I would have been there until today <laughs> if I was following Brazilian standards uh, because I'm still taking applications. So I was able to do my own startup with my own savings. And I worked for three years full-time, literally Monday through Sunday. And that was a lot of evenings until 3, 5 a.m. sometimes as well. Being in the startup world as a non-technical female founder is not easy. Again, not an excuse because other people have done it, obviously. I had zero business background, no business people in my family. Investors do treat you differently. I have experienced it firsthand. They don't take you as seriously. And also, it was very, very difficult to find a technical co-founder. I talked to maybe 60 different people to have them become my co-founder. All of them said no. And at some point, I said, okay, I need to create something so that these technical people can see that I'm actually doing something and there is a product market fit and things like that. So... I said, okay, what can I build that a non-technical person can build? The idea was to have a marketplace for natural, organic, non-toxic products. And so I decided to start doing some videos on YouTube, explaining each product, and started doing some PR outreach, and a few websites picked up on the story. And then I finally pitched at a co-founder matching event, And then I met my co-founder and uh, convinced him to join me. He was literally the 60th person that I had spoken with. As a non-technical person, you really, if you want to get into the startup world, you really need to get something going. And today, which is a decade later, there's so much more that you can do on your own. And then there are also so many uh, unicorn companies that are still with a solo founder Unicorn Company is a company worth a billion uh, dollars or more. Uh, so there are a lot more resources today. So my co-founder had a full-time job. We would meet on the weekends and we would work like crazy. And during the week, I would work by myself. I went to an incubator, which really helped. And that was uh, probably at the end of year two of the startup journey. And that really helped a lot. And so the first thing that the incubator told us to do was to do market research and actually <laughs> go out and ask people if this would be interesting to them. And I had no idea that I had to do that. And so I started doing research and asking random people if they cared about green products. So green products was the original idea and eventually we learned that people care about their health first and the product being green was just an added benefit. So that was the number one lesson that I learned in hindsight. Do your market research, talk to people, follow up with people until you really find the product market fit. The second mistake we made was to open up the website to every single category under the sun. And what we should have done was to be just like Amazon was when they launched. They were only doing books. And the reason you want to do that is so people can remember your website for that one thing that you do really, really well. If Amazon had opened up to every category under the sun, we would 
probably never be going to Amazon in the beginning because we wouldn't be thinking, oh, I can buy a scissor at Amazon. Oh, I can buy clothing there. Oh, I can buy skincare products. So that was lesson number two. We should have focused only on skincare products. That was our best-selling category. And then we should have slowly opened up to other categories. And the third biggest lesson with that experience was that we were charging very little per transaction. So our average purchase on the website was about $30 for each purchase. And we would only charge 7% of the transaction fee as a service fee for, for these sellers. So that was an average of $2.1 per transaction. So in order for us to pay for one engineer, you know, a low salary back then of let's say 150K, we would have to have 71,400 sales just to pay for one engineer. So that was really hard to scale. And so after three years working full-time and learning all of these lessons, it did not work out. We were not able to raise funds. I just decided to go find a job. And I also want to share what goes through your mindset during these startup years. From far, we all think that Airbnb and Facebook and all these huge companies are an overnight success, but it's really not. Very few startups make it. Very few startups make it to the news. Uh, very few startups actually raise a ton of money and very few startups survive over time. It's not just, you know, the front page success story that we all read and get super excited about. There's a lot of work and a lot of intricacies on every single step of the journey. So I, I remember vividly my lifestyle went to having one workout per week and I remember going out to dinner with my family and that night I had a, a little argument with my co-founder and I just remember I broke down at the restaurant. I just started crying. <laughs> I couldn't eat. I was like, this is, this is hard. <laughs> Why am I doing this? So not only that, but you also get a lot of people to start pay attention to what you are doing and they start copying you. I remember some guys that decided to launch the same exact thing that we launched and they started doing videos like I was doing and it was so obvious that they were copying us and they were not as passionate as I was about the product. They somehow ended up actually raising I think two and a half million dollars at that time. And then we had another competitor that raised a ton of money. This is another lesson that I learned that you cannot think about your competition. You have to be 100% heads down into your product and your customers because things will happen to these people. For example, the company that raised two and a half million dollars, they ended up folding. And the other company that raised a lot more money, the founder ended up committing suicide because, and we didn't know any of this at the time, he had committed to purchasing so many products that he couldn't sell. And because he had raised so much money, he was hanging out with these super successful founders. And so he was trying to be at that level 
And then he was caught in this situation that he couldn't sell the products that he had purchased. And at the same time, he was not up to par with the people that he was hanging out with. And so things happen with your competitors, even though they might be raising so much money and you are not, and you're really doing something out of your passion and, and, and something that you really, really love. Keep doing that. Don't worry about them. Just focus on you and your product and your customers. So despite the fact that I went through all of this and the sleepless nights and not getting paid and using up my savings and working 24-7 and dealing with all of this, I still would not have traded this experience for anything. It made me a better person. It made me a lot more humble. It made me understand that everybody has a boss, even the CEO. The CEO's boss is the venture capitalist. The venture capitalist's bosses are the their investors. And their investors' bosses are likely their wives. <laughs> Asking, where is the money, honey? So it gives you a much better understanding for all of the levels uh, that you wouldn't have if you were just working a regular job. And your only worry would be, oh, my boss is a pain. Well, he is a pain because his boss is on his neck and that boss is on their neck because the CEO is on their neck and so on and so forth. So you have a complete picture of how organizations work, of how marketing, PR, sales, uh, and metrics are important and all of that. And it makes you really also not worry about the little things because after going through this, crawling through broken glass on your knees is gonna be nothing. Oh, and this reminds me of a very, very good lesson that during the incubator, the leader gave us. This guy had done multiple startups. And so we were all a bunch of young founders, young startup founders that were going through this program. And we were supposed to do some homework every single week uh, for us to get to the next level. So one of the weeks we all met there and some people did not do their homework. And so the guy leading the incubator, he said, okay, we're going to kick the people out who have not done their homework. And then everybody was upset. We said, of course not, you should not kick them out. And then he said, okay, no problem. So since you don't want to kick them out because they haven't done their job, I'm going to write everybody's names and I'm going to put it on a hat. And then I'm going to have a couple of people pick two people that are going to be kicked out out of all of you guys, including the ones that have done their homework. He did that because we were all sticking together. And so we ended up picking two names and he said, okay, you guys are out. And I was not happy <laughs> with the leader. And at the end of that evening, we would always go out and get drinks at this dive bar. And I was giving him the death stare. He looked at me and he said, you know why I, I did it that way, Stephanie? I said, no. And he said, I made you guys pick out the name out of the hat because when you're a founder, you're going to have to make hard decisions. And if you don't make those hard decisions, 
somebody else is going to make it for you and you're not going to like it. I'm taking this extra minute to share this story because it was an awesome, awesome lesson. At the end of the day, he ended up letting these people come back, but it was a phenomenal lesson. That guy was, he is very incredibly smart. So the next job that I got was the easiest thing in the world because I had my nights, weekends, and I was getting paid. Wow, (laughs) this is like a vacation. Getting that next job, it wasn't easy. By that time, I was almost 30 years old and all of my friends had been growing in their careers and here I was starting things again. I was out of the quote-unquote job market for three years and... I remember wanting a really badly a job at LinkedIn. I prepared this beautiful presentation that they didn't even ask me to prepare. And they eventually told me no, nobody wanted to hire me. And so I remember looking on hired.com and this company called MongoDB had so many openings. And I said, wow, that sounds like it could be a good potential. So I asked my engineer friends, if this was a good company and they said yeah that's a great database that is becoming popular right now and so i said okay i want a job there and so i applied for an outside sales role by that time i had one sales experience so i could i thought i could put myself in that second level of the sales role and unfortunately they said no to me (laughs) i got another no And then I said, fine, I'm going to apply for the inside sales position, which is the most basic sales position, even though I'm a, I already have sales experience and I had startup experience, meaning the grind, entrepreneurial spirit and all of that. And they finally hired me and I said, I'm going to show it to them how good I am and I'm going to get a promotion. So after eight months, I ended up getting a promotion to the job that I actually wanted in the beginning. And that was my favorite company to work at during my entire career because these were all incredible people. The hiring process was wonderful. We would all work with each other again. So I think that goes to show why the company is very successful today. I think they're worth Uh, 30 billion dollars depending on which day you look at the stock market yeah that was an incredible company that i stayed for three years and then after that i went to two more startups and thankfully i was always the top one two or three salesperson always making quota and exceeding it it all came back to work ethic and listening and following up and being persistent. Some of the things that I was selling were not easy to sell, especially at MongoDB. They had a free product and we were selling support to engineers who could all personally fix a problem when they had one. So they didn't need support. It was like selling ice to Eskimos. But again, persistency, making sure you ask the right questions and really make sure that they will actually be needing something like this in the future. And I was growing my career. I became a director of sales and there were people approaching me for a VP of sales position, etc. But I always had this entrepreneurial bug inside of me. And 
I always wanted to do my own thing. And so by that time, I was also dating the person who taught me everything about real estate investing. When I realized that I wanted to learn real estate investing, I started asking him all kinds of questions and taking notes. And he really gave me a lot of really good advice, information. We tried to buy a few properties together. We didn't just because the numbers didn't make sense, but we went through the process and it was a very, very, very good foundation. And that is why I think that people that don't have access to a mentor can start as a commercial broker and not only learn everything there is to learn about the business, but you're also going to be coming across deals firsthand. So I took about 30 pages of notes. I read all of his retail leases. I asked questions and every single thing that I did not understand on these leases. And then that relationship didn't work out. And I said, oh Lord, what now? Who is going to guide me? And so I decided to go to the Real Estate Guys uh, Summit at Sea. It's going to be three years ago. And that is where I met 200 and something amazing people. I was waking up at 6 or 7 a.m. and would sleep when most people went to sleep. I exchanged contact information with almost everybody in the the cruise that participated there and I have made friends that I still talk to on a regular basis today. I can reach out to these people whenever I need to. A few of them already offered to partner up when I have some deals and so that was definitely a very wise investment that I also always recommend people attending. So I had quit my job right before we broke up and he actually advised me not to quit until I actually am making about the same amount of money as I was making in sales, which In hindsight, I should have listened to his advice, (laughs) but sometimes we are, you know, we just have to follow our own journey and try our own things. So that was a poor decision of mine. It took me two years to find the right property. And that was about a year and a half after I started this podcast and finally found a few properties and that didn't go smoothly like you guys all know you know the lenders said no to me uh, got denied i think probably three or four times and then the last time that i was denied i had no other choice but to say hey let's talk (laughs) with the lender because we had to close in a few days so had a conversation with the lender overcame his objections and the rest is history You guys know all of my investments so far, except for a couple of most recent ones that I haven't shared yet. But this has been the last 20 years in 27 minutes. So just over a minute per year. I'm I'm actually tired of listening to this. I think I need a vacation. (laughs) I worked too hard over the last 20 years. But in hindsight, we all have our journeys and... No journey is without its hurdles. We have to be persistent. We have to find a third door. Apparently, there is an actual book that is very good out there that is called The Third Door. So 
all of us entrepreneurs have to find that third door. That's just part of the journey. And that is why I decided to share this journey of the last two decades with you guys, because the only thing that was handed to me was landing in this amazing country, which I'm very grateful and blessed and thankful every single day of my life to be here. My mommy didn't have money. <laughs> She gave me a few hundred dollars here and there, but uh, everything else, you know, has been working. And now I'm going to start syndicating some deals because I proved that the returns on my investments right now have been phenomenal. And so that is the next step for me. And this is where we are. So thank you very much for asking me to do this episode. I hope this was helpful to all of you wherever you are in your journey. I'm sure a lot of you guys are way further ahead than me. And some others are just getting started. But the thing is that we all are in our own paths. And it's really important not to be envious of anybody else. You really don't know what is going on in other people's lives. Enjoy the journey. I know this is cliche, but it is really, really true. I, I know a lot of very successful people that have more money than they could ever use. And a lot of them are not happy. So... I hope uh, this was great for you guys. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at my website, monicarlorei.com. And I will see you next time.